Welcome back to the Fans Eye View, brought to you by Footy Live, TLA, Sportsmate Mobile, and of course, the fans of this great game of football. Two months in, and we currently have eight rounds of football to look back on, which means it's time to return to the footy club stock market, where the hot takes become trends uh, and the uh, the soft takes become facts. We have a top eight clash and a brilliant final replay this weekend, as well as plenty of games that will inform us who's legit and who should just plain old quit. And with me to help decide just that is the fans fan, Nikki G. Question without notice for you, mate. Mm-hmm. Big news this week. AFL CEO, new one. Yes. They replaced the G with a D. Yep. Mr. Dillian is going to be at the helm in October. But as a fan, do you care at all? Not really, to be honest. <laughs> but from everything I've heard, he seems like um, he seems like the right choice. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, he's no been one... at the business for the, for the second longest. So exactly. Might as well pick the next guy. Up. He's yeah. got experience. So as as with any job interview and job you're going for, yeah, obviously the one with the most experience um, in the workplace is going to. Um, grab the job and yeah look he's he said all the right things in his first few interviews as um, the, the boss in waiting so um, yeah I'm looking forward to his reign and Gillen like despite the criticism he, he's been okay yeah he's had a few things that didn't go right like AFLX you know that didn't quite go uh, to plan but you know AFLW uh, the expansion clubs uh, oh, I mean there's an asterisk against Gold Coast at the moment but um, he's going to end uh, on a very strong note with Tassie so yeah he's had a good reign so um, very high standards for uh, Dylan to look up to yeah and it is interesting that I suppose as fans it's kind of hard like you don't really care about the CEO because the CEO doesn't really do any of the stuff that you care about like they don't like they might bring in new teams, but if you're a fan of football, you've already got a team. Unless you're a Tasmanian, we'll get to Tassie. Don't worry, Tassie fans, we won't bury the lead mm, there. But mm. um, but yeah, otherwise it's kind of like it's make it make it profitable, get yeah. big TV broadcast deals. You know, all the rule changes, all the stuff that fans like care about and bring up talk back for all that kind of stuff is all done by other people in the business. So yeah, I think yeah, for him to be as liked and as prominent as he is is a proper credit to uh to Gillian because um yeah, Gills. Yeah, been one of the more forward-facing CEOs in compared to the past. So, and much more like than Dimitri, who's the person he replaced. So, absolutely. There you go. Hats off to him, and uh, may he enjoy whatever he gets up to in the future. <laughs> obviously, everyone has had their say about Tassie, and obviously, their say is that you're forced to like it, you're forced to love it. Tassie's <laughs> it's the best, best news, good news story ever. Yeah. And obviously, now everyone's turning to oh, when they're going to have the stadium. When they're going to have players, oh, the draft concessions, oh, this, that, and everything else. But everyone yeah. just cool die jets. It's not happening until 2028. So just, it's a while away, isn't it? Just have a breath. But you, you say everyone's forced to like it. I feel like the ones that almost don't like it or the ones that are complaining a little bit about certain things are the Tasmanians themselves. They yeah. don't. They want the team, but they don't necessarily want the stadium, which mm. is fair enough. You know, there's there's probably more important things that, are, uh, that the money could be used on down in Tassie. So that's fair enough. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, I feel like Victorians and the rest of Australia are a bit oblivious to all of that. And we just think it's a good news story. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how well... Um, Tasmanians take to this new footy team when the time comes. Yeah, and they've got five years now and the hard work starts now as well. And especially just the hard, as you said, they've got to try and get a fandom that's not city-based. But they've got this new stadium that's going to be based in Hobart. So is it going to be Tasmania's team? 
successful, will the Launceston people just keep hanging out with Hawthorne? Oh, North they, Melbourne yeah, and, no, I'm sure they'll play games down in Launceston as well. Yeah, yeah. You, but, more, you, but more the point of like whose team is it? Because like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's hard to have a whole state that's just like in one team when it's so divided and it has True. such a history. And that's yeah. why basically every other state has at least two. So you can go, well, I'm, you know, from the west or the east. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm west coast or Fremantle. I'm Sydney or GWS. Yeah, yeah. So uh, very, very interesting indeed. But the biggest talking point here is about like how they're going to get players and how they're going to get like all these retention factors. And I said, that's not the biggest talking point. The biggest talking point is how do you get fans? And yeah. so the question to you as the fans fan is this. Yeah. If you are from Tasmania yeah. or have Tasmanian family, yeah. is it okay to ditch your club <laughs> and then back for Tassie oh, when they geez. come into the competition? And this question has been asked of one of the biggest fans yeah. in the zeitgeist, yeah. Bev from the Bev Show. Yeah. Oh, he yes, is he's from Tassie, a big isn't he? Bulldogs fan. Gee, I'd love to ask him this question. Well, he did, he did say last year when the Tasmanian thing started to take shape that yeah. he would not give up on his doggies. Yeah. However, social media this week has been quite brutal to Bev, saying, I reckon you're going to jump off ship in five years' time. So yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you are a Tasmanian or... You know, you had a family in Tassie. Would you allow yourself to say, Hawks, been a great ride. Thanks for the 1,200 premierships we've won in the last 20 years. But now I am now a proud Tassie devil. I don't don't think so. I don't think I could do it. But then again, I haven't spent my whole life growing up in Tasmania. Maybe it would be a little bit different. But, boy, it would be so hard to give up everything you've grown up to enjoy watching football. So, yeah, I mean... No, I, I I personally couldn't do it. I don't and think I would could. you allow your friends to get away with it if they did? Say there's a North Melbourne fan out there, yeah. oh, and they're North like, Melbourne probably, and they're like, you know what, this team sucks. <laughs> I'm sick of following North Melbourne. It's probably an excuse. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to jump off ship. I'm going to support Tasmania. Or yeah. would you give them crap for being a fair weather fan? Well, no. Like, I mean, someone has to do it, right? Someone has to support this team. Um, and there's. The fans that do jump on board with this new Tassie team, I'm sure they're not new to the AFL. I'm sure they're not going to be new to the AFL. They would be existing AFL fans. So um, it has to happen. Um, and it's happened in the past before as well, I'm sure, with, well, with Adelaide, previous yeah. expansion clubs. Adelaide, West Coast, Fremantle. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, and of course, Sydney and South Melbourne as well. Mm. So... Yeah, I, I, it has to happen, and I hope it does happen. Again, it's going to be very hard to build this 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 fan base up. But the thing that they have that GWS and Gold Coast didn't have is that existing uh, population of people who have wanted this team for a very long time. A bit like Western Sydney Wanderers with the A League. And we saw how well that club took off from the very beginning. They had strong support, strong foundations. They hit the ground running. They made a few grand finals in their first few seasons. That probably won't happen with Tasmania, but the the foundations of the club are really strong. And Tassie are on a similar path to that. But as you said, a lot of things need to go right from between now and 2028. And the first things that need to go right is you need to give the people in Tassie or the people that have already signed um, the petitions and are already committed to the club, you have to give them uh, the voice to um, to the, the nickname of the club, the colours, the team songs, the jumpers. Um, that is how you begin that, you know, that foundation for a mm. club. 
because if it's just going to be p- picked by corporates or whatever and and it's not something that the people of Tasmania can really identify themselves with and get behind then it's just going to be a bust so. yeah they need to follow the Wrexham playbook give it over to the fans yeah and absolutely because so, uh, that's and, what it's all about at the and, end of the day and you know have a, have a Dolphins-esque documentary too they, they, they're your two <laughs> big ticks to get some hype in there uh, five seasons between now and then the first couple of seasons would be pretty dry I reckon so maybe we, we jump back in in uh, 2025 and onwards uh, my last talking point just one uh, segment in Media Watch this week and uh, it's the return of Robbo yes, Robbo's he's tackle back. is back yep. and he's, uh, he's not dead good so health. he's good good on you Robbo welcome back to the footy media and your, and your hot takes and uh, <laughs> this one I thought you might like so yep. he says that coaches hate football yeah, they hate football because they, when they're in the league now, they put their star players on the bench. And so Charlie Curnow benched nine goals. Could have kicked a bag of ten. Yeah. Ten yeah. benched. Tom Hawkins, eight goals. Yeah. Benched. So do, footies, do uh, coaches hate footy? And uh, should they be allowed to put the big guns on ice or should we get back to kicking bags? Yeah. Look, I don't think they hate footy. They're party poopers, that's for sure. But uh, no, they don't hate footy. But absolutely, I do agree with his point, though. Um, yeah, you've you got to keep the, the plays on. I've been, I've been so vocal about this for so many years on this podcast with you, Gordo, with Footy Live. Um And we saw it on the weekend. There is nothing better in footy than seeing the big key forwards dominate games. And we were lucky enough to see it a couple of times this weekend with Kernow and uh, Tom Hawkins. It was just a joy to watch. And even to a lesser extent, uh, as a Hawthorne supporter, Mitch Lewis, first game back, was a bit inaccurate in front of the big sticks, but clunky marks. He had nine by half time, finished the game with 11. This is his first game back coming from a knee injury. And what I felt during that game it was just so much excitement. Like there is nothing better than a big key forward taking the game by the scruff of the neck and just dominating. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, bad on the, on the coaches for pulling these players off. Um, we want to see them get to 10 and more. Uncharted territory, but would you would you be okay then if you know we go back to the old old days when Hawthorne was dominating? Yeah, but he's kicking on thirteen, he's chasing a record, mm-hmm. and then you know he, he gets injured in the last five minutes of the game. It doesn't need to be out there for. Are you okay with that as a fan, or would you be on the blower and talk back, <laughs> being like, "Don't know, like I was doing, he no. should have taken him off, put him on ice." It's no. so pointless. No, oh, like I understand that can happen, and it'd be bloody unlucky for it to happen, but. Um, that it's a injuries are a part of sport. You, you you're out there uh, risking your body, pretty much. So, you know, you, you got to go for the records. You got to go for the big numbers. That's what playing sports all about. So, yeah, I'd like I would have liked to have seen him stayed on and uh, reach the double figure mark. There we go. Kick more goals. That's uh, how everyone gets back into the good books. Speaking of the good books, it's round eight, two months of football. Therefore, it's time for our monthly check-in on the Club Stock Exchange. This is our buy, sell, hold yes. segment. We'll also weave in our previews at the same time for the clubs that we're discussing. But um, as always, when you're you know, managing a stock portfolio, I say this with zero uh, knowledge or uh, experience <laughs> in doing so, but you need to review uh, your previous investments. You do, unfortunately. And so uh, previously, uh, Nick, you bought Melbourne. 
Yes. Uh, you bought them when they were good and they're still good, so there's been yeah, no change. Yeah, a bit of a safe pick there. Yeah, no yeah. change. They're still equal favourites with Collingwood to win the flag. Yeah. Uh, you sold Port Adelaide, and uh, so you missed out on... Uh, one dollar yes. ninety of growth. Unfortunately, they've, they've turned around, and I think you might be changing your mind on that club in particular. Uh, and then you held on to Sydney, and Sydney have gone on to uh, you know to slump a little bit, and so yes. you made a bit, pretty big loss there of four dollars forty four. I did, uh, which is a bit unfortunate. Uh, on the flip side, I bought Adelaide, made four dollars profit. Thank you very much. I sold Brisbane, so I missed out on their return to form, unfortunately. But I did hold on to Geelong, who are now uh, equal third. Uh, favourites for the Premiership and everyone's back in love with them and I've made a healthy, healthy profit there uh, of 10 bucks. So yeah. uh, room to improve for both of us in our investments and so we'll start with my first sell. And so I, I said that the Col- uh, Carlton St Kilda game would determine who slips out of the eight and who makes the eight. And so, yes, yeah. obviously Carlton spanked well, West Coast having the buy last week. Uh, but that was it. It's only the second time this year they've kicked 100 points. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they've kicked uh, 90 versus Geelong, 74 against GWS, 58 against Richmond, and then 60 and 62 the last two weeks before uh, West Coast. So they're missing a bunch of points, and as such, I've sold them. Um, the next five games, Brisbane at home, Western Bulldogs at home, Collingwood at home, and then Sydney away and Melbourne away as well. So it's a tough draw. I think they only really beat... The Bulldogs, yeah. if they're lucky out of that. Yeah. Uh, and for mine, they've got – it's very weird because they're a little bit West Coast 2018 vibes for mine. They play yeah. a kick mark game. They're very slow and measured with the ball. Um, pretty solid midfield, a great forward line, but they yeah. don't seem to play the solid style of football. If you had a really good midfield and a really yeah. solid football line, you play this yeah. really conservative football. And so when they do turn the ball over, they're really easy to score against. Um and they give up in dangerous spots. So I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't think they are aggressive enough. They're not very exciting to watch anymore. So I'm selling them. I, I agree with you. I think with the Blues, we, we, I think we said this last week, it could be a coaching problem with them, with Voss. And I think a lot of Carlton fans would agree. And despite their 100 point win over the West Coast, which we all kind of saw coming in a way, probably mm-hmm. not to that extent, but I would argue it. Almost wasn't even a great performance from Carlton despite the result. It was a pretty slow start and it was pretty uninspiring and yeah. they were just lucky to be playing one of the most injured sides in the competition. Yeah, state league side pretty much. Yeah. So uh, there we go. And then they come into a, a big a big test this Friday night, primetime, Carlton versus Brisbane. And it could be another, you know, finals decider. These are the games that Carlton need to start getting some points, yeah. especially at home if they want to keep their spot uh, in the eight. Um, yep. But they've lost back-to-back to teams in the top eight. Yeah, and I think all Carlton fans will be very, very nervous, especially Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's only Fremantle, but they won by 48 points. It was a very clinical performance. They were aggressive around the ball. They were aggressive with their ball movement. Their forward line contains, you know, six up to eight, if you can include the forwards, that, the midfielders that roll forward of, like, weapons that can just mm-hmm. turn it on. So... And I think the, uh, the styles here really suit Brisbane as well. Like they're, As I said, they're an aggressive team around the ball, and so that really cuts down on Carlton's ability to play that kick-mark, slow-chain style football. So, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts into this game and 
Uh, who are you going to tip, do you reckon? Yeah, it is a tough one. Given that it's a Carlton home game, that's what makes it a little bit difficult to pick. But uh, I'm with you. I'm just leaning towards Brisbane. I think what what has let Carlton down uh, this season has been their defence more so than anything. Um, and like you said, when you're going up against uh, the, the forward line of, of Brisbane, when you know they've got those tall options, but also the the Charlie Camerons, the Cam Rainers, the um, yeah, um, the Lincoln McCarthys, so on. Um, they, they they can break a game open in their midfield as well. Will pro- I mean, it's hard to say which midfield is better between these two teams, but. Uh, you certainly wouldn't write uh, Brisbane's midfield off either. So, yeah, tough, tough one to pick. Um, very deserving of that Friday night uh, primetime slot, but I'm almost leaning towards the Lions in this one. Well, you say it's a home game, but it is a game that will be played at Marvel. Yeah. And so the Lions have won five of the last six at Marvel Stadium. They're only a defeat coming to the Bulldogs in round three this season. So they don't mind a little trip to uh, to the Dome, as it was once formerly known. So mm. could be advantage Brisbane there in terms of the ground as well. And it really, again, suits that style of, you know, aggressive, yeah. um, dynamic, that's, that style of football. So I'm definitely tipping the Lions here. Yeah. Um, the other part too, which I find really interesting is that Brisbane has become a really powerful intercept side. So number one in the competition, they've scored 72 points per game from them since round four. And I think that that mark kick style that Carlton want to play just allows Brisbane to have far less possessions, which they do on, on average, but sure. just make more impact yeah. from those mistakes that we are, we see Carlton making time to time. So, yeah, I think advantage of Brisbane for mine, and I'll, uh, I'll go further than lean. I'll, I'll go and tip it, but obviously I am because I'm, I'm selling Carlton. And that was my sell. Who are you selling? Who are you digging the boot into? And this one, you're not going to like this. If you haven't already sold these, this team, then you're an idiot. But anyway, I mean, I, I sold them weeks ago, no, potentially years, years ago. Years ago. Uh, but I just bought them back just so I could sell them again yeah. because I love selling them. No, I'm joking. Uh, but look, Richmond. They are a team that are struggling at the moment, obviously. Injuries have piled up, and you can use that as an excuse if you want. But Damien Hardwick and the Tiger fans have always prided themselves on being a system-based side. We've heard it for the last few years, and um, their system uh, during their premiership years, again, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, um, has been scoring off their forward half intercepts while... This year, they are ranked last in for, uh, in scoring from forward half intercepts. So that's worse than West Coast, worse than North Melbourne, worse than Hawthorne. Um, they've also recorded a score from 38% of their inside 50s, which is, again, ranked last in the competition. And that is something they were ranked second in last year. Uh, they're also ranked last in shot at goal accuracy. They're the worst in the league at shooting for goal. Um, and... Like, I mean, you, you can use injuries as an excuse, but at the end of the day, this, this for me, this is basic skills, base, basic methodology. Something's going wrong. You can't blame, blame playing at Marvel. You can't blame injuries. You almost have to, I mean, do, does Dimmer get the blame for this? I don't know. Um, but look, they'll, they'll win this week. They've got West Coast at the MCG, so you'd, you'd hope um, they'd win this quite comfortably. But... Don't let it fool you either, though, because after this, um, uh, they'll go two two wins after eight rounds after this week, but they'll have Geelong, Essendon, Port Adelaide, GWS away, Frio away, and St. Kilda leading into the bye. 
I can't see many wins there with the way Richmond are playing right now. And then after the bye, you'd think it'd get, it would get a little bit easier, but they've got Brisbane at the Gabba and then the Swans. Gordon, they could potentially, the Tigers, be a bottom four side this year. Yeah, that's fun. What I find interesting is that like the, the league is set up with equalisation, that you can't be good forever. Like there was a period in, in football life where Hawthorne was looking like they're going to be good forever. Mm-hmm. And now they're on the bottom of the ladder. Well, equal bottom of the ladder. So like this is how it's meant to go. Richmond won their three flags in five years. Yeah. And now they're coming out the other side. They're not meant to be good forever. But if they saw this coming, then why did they trade away now that's the very good farm point. for that's these two GWS players? Potentially, I suppose there's different ways of rebuilding because everyone's like, you should go down. Everyone's saying you should do the Hawthorne thing. Well, sell everyone. Yeah. And we'll get to someone else apparently who you should sell. Uh, but sell <laughs> everyone and then, you know, have kids and completely suck and, you know, be historically bad. But why can't you just, you know, not not top up, top up, but like be a bit more like Geelong. Well, that's what Hawthorne tried to do as well. Yeah. With the Chad Wingards, the Jay Gray Mirrors, Tom Mitchell, didn't really work. Because North tried the sell everyone and then rebuild and yep. they've been pretty bad now for a very long time. Mm. And they didn't even get the, the reward of making those prelim finals with Brad Scott. So I don't, I don't see how... Yeah, I don't see how Richmond could do this any other way given that that's how it's meant to happen. And I don't think anyone's sitting there being like, oh, this is so bad because all they need to do is, you know, put on the 2019 grand final and we're and you're away again. Like, so it yeah. doesn't, doesn't really matter. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, when you're an AFL fan, you just want to see your team win every week and Richmond fans would be going through it at the moment. I don't think they're too used to seeing their team struggle. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it poses the question, do you just rip the Band-Aid off at the end of the season? But in what go, way? And like, say, like, we get, get rid of Hardwick or get rid of... Uh, potentially sell, sell Hardwick. Dusty. Potentially Hardwick, yes. Does yeah. Dusty let go, uh, get let go to try and get a draft pick back for yeah. the ones they lost against uh, with Taranto and Hopper? Yeah. Does Jack Rewalt retire? Trent Cotchin? Do they just go, just be like, yep, look, our time's up. Let's get as many draft picks as we can now. Yeah. Or, think, do, you, or think, do you reload? I think, you, I think if you do that, and I don't think they're going to reload, they're not, like no one's playing good enough to suggest that Richmond's going to be a premiership contender anytime soon. Um, so, you, yeah, I think fans would be okay with a rebuild. But I think also then if they are going to rebuild as of now, then it makes sense that they got Taranto and Hopper because then their midfield is not just, you know, six first and third year players mm-hmm. running around getting smashed. Yeah. Now you'd want Taranto and Hopper to be playing a lot better than what they are currently this year for that to work, especially if they're going to replace, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Dusties and the Cochins of the world and take the load of the leadership and whatever. Uh, and then in terms of the coach, I think it's up to Dimmer. Dimmer took a bad team and turned it into a juggernaut very quick, well, not very quickly, but mm. he did that. Yeah. So if he wants to go and do it again, he probably gets first crack because, you know, history would suggest that, He's got the, the rebuild. The, if you've yeah. got, got a new one for the rebuild, they don't last yeah. to the premiership anyway. Yeah. So you may as well just have one that you already know and not burn out a coach for no reason. So interesting times for the Tigers, mm. uh, especially it's a club that loves to get fractured and have infights at the board level and all those kind of nasty things. Uh, and so it was easy when you were winning every year and or being up near the top and things were nice and rosy. Yeah. Um, 
but could be a very big time of change as well because, you know, Brendan Gale, obviously proud Tasmanian. He uh, wanted yes. the CEO job at the AFL, didn't get it. But uh, there'll be a CEO job going for the Tasmanian club. And, and they'll why, want Tasmanians too. Um, well, I think they're only going to hire Tasmanians and why wouldn't Brendan Gale take it? Exactly. So lots of change happening at the Tigers. Good time to sell, Nico. I think that's a sound investment. Uh, that being said, um, West Coast playing a lot of teams into form this year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah. you know, round two, oh, well, actually round two they beat the Giants, but the Giants have gotten better since round two, ironically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dockers are playing a little better since round three. Melbourne was stuttering and then won by 60 points in round four. They're going great now. Uh, Geelong was stuttering and they won by 47 points in round five. Port Adelaide lost the showdown and they beat the uh, Eagles by 40 in round six. And obviously Carlton, we'll, we'll yet to see with Carlton. But it could be just, you know, you play West Coast and then you kick your season off. So you get the easy win and then you, you come back into form. So yep. maybe, maybe you're selling too, too early on the Tigers too. Potentially, Potentially. And my record's not too good, so, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think we both agree that Richmond win this weekend, so Tigers fans, enjoy the easy win. Speaking of controversial sells, Nico, I'm selling Adelaide. I'm selling one of the dream clubs of, uh, of the early season so far. Adelaide. Adelaide. Okay. And yes. is, is, it, is it a shock, uh, you know, move to their loss against Collingwood on the weekend? No, because I think they've just peaked. I think because no one saw Adelaide being any good at all. We saw them being outside the eight. Yeah. Now and they're, they're sitting eighth. They're sitting eighth. But they're four and three, a percentage of 114. Which is they're, probably, you know, that's probably a pass mark for that's them. That's a pass mark, absolutely. But that's it. This is where they're at. Like they're, yeah. they're on the fringe of the eight. They're not yeah. being better than this. It was like three weeks ago, oh, yeah, they're one of the best teams in the competition. Well, they're exciting, but they're not Well, I don't think clutch. They're well, not, yeah. No, I don't think anyone at Adelaide would be saying they're the finished product yet. No. Definitely not. But if they finish the year 11 and 11 or whatever it is, pass, 12 yeah. and 11, how many games yeah. there are in the season now, um, yeah, it's a pass mark. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, like, yeah, just little things like, again, last week, again, Collingwood, fourth quarter, they're the big scary team that no one can beat. But you're four goals up with, like, five minutes to play. Like, yeah. you should be winning that game if, you know, if you're the finished product, if you're a team worth investing in. They're, they're a wait-and-see team, so sell them while they're high and, you know, buy them at the back end of the season once, you know. That's <laughs> uh, how, very that's smart how, investment. That's how, that's how finance works. That um, is. So they've got yeah. some holes in their game. And, again, they're an exciting front, front six. You love exciting front sixes. Yeah. They're not very accurate. So in losses this year, 34%. In wins, they kick it 52%. Yeah. Um, that's the same with their ball use. That's the same with their clearance counts. It's like in, in wins, they look very, very good. Uh, in losses, they look pretty poor. And they're very front-end-ended games. So they mm. score 31% of their points in first quarters and they fade out in, in, in games. So that's yeah. a young team. That's a team that needs a pretty more pre-seasons. Yeah. Um, so it's going to probably wane as the season goes on as well. So yeah. all those things. Um, good point. But, uh, but yeah, so... That's a, a team that I'm selling. And then this week, they're taking on Geelong. So it's a good time to sell Adelaide as well because they're taking on Geelong in Geelong. Still the hardest thing to do in football, apparently, is to beat the Cats down at Cadinia. Every every time they play Cadinia, they love to roll out some extra long player who tells you on TV how hard it is to play at this football ground, yeah. even though it is just a patch of grass, really, you know, in a lovely suburb in, in near Melbourne. So uh, I'm jumping off. I'm obviously tipping Geelong. But what are your thoughts on uh, the game the early Saturday game down at lovely Cadinia Park. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, Geelong are the team in form in the competition at the moment. So, um, again, I think Hawthorne played them into form on Easter Monday. Ever since then, they've just rolled every single team they've faced um, with relative ease. And that's exactly what you would expect from the reigning premiers. Um, slow starts of the season, but after every week everyone they're getting those injured players back Tom Hawkins obviously he didn't form after he was injured earlier in the season or playing with an injury or while he was recovering um, so yes again at GMHBA Stadium um, you usually pencil these ones down for a Geelong win so I don't really see how it's, it's hard to see how um, the Crows can win this one Gordo but um yeah, I don't really hold much hope for them, to be honest. Yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah, there's not many angles at all. Since round four, the Cats have scored 132 points per game. Yeah. So they're playing old school footy. Like, we'll just kick more points than you. They did let up 100 points against the Bombers on the weekend, but it doesn't matter. Like, if you're scoring that many goals, then, like, there's n- very few teams in the AFL that can run with you. Uh, and they play kind of, ex- like, very different... They're playing a different style of football again because Geelong used to be your least favourite in terms of like it's Chris Scott, it's boring football, they're yeah. old, they're slow, they're methodical, they're just tactical, they park the bus. Now they're the most direct and fast team to goal, 21 mm. disposals per goal. So mm. by far the most aggressive in terms of uh, disposal use and possessions. So an exciting team to watch and they'll be uh, they'll be turning it on at Kadena. So two Geelong tips for us there. And then a bye... Our buy, 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 buy in Port Adelaide. You sold them, you're buying them back up. I'm yeah. on board as well. Um, yeah. Pretty good team. Why Why yeah. are you buying into Port Adelaide? Yeah, I'm doing the full U-turn here. Now, look, and, and this is a credit to Ken Hinckley, who was put under the pump after mm-hmm. the first few weeks. And, you know, rightly so, because they did have a rough start to the season. They lost to Freo, who they'd probably beat this time around if they were to play him again this week. Um if form guides are anything to go by they were embarrassed by Collingwood at the MCG they lost that showdown as well but hey four wins in a row um you can't really complain with the way they're playing they beat St Kilda again one of the informed teams at the competition at Marvel Stadium against the odds beaten West Coast they've beaten the Bulldogs um which is a big win and and Sydney away obviously uh they also put away Brisbane in round two so that that's five very good wins uh for Ken Hinckley for this season and like the way they're playing as well they're a dangerous team you know I love attack and they have recorded 36 points a game from attacking midfield chains they're ranked first in the AFL for that um that for me that 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 spells danger when you know how to score and score fast and and hard, you're a hard team to stop. And and also Jason Horn Francis as well. Obviously, copped a few random boos there from the St Kilda fans on Friday night. He had his best game for his career. He shut up a lot of critics. Um, he had 25 touches, 11 clearances, seven tackles. Could have um, been a bit more cleaner by foot, but. You know, for a kid that hasn't even played 20 games yet, um, he's going to be an absolute ripper. And with the way power are going at the moment, they're, they're looking like a top eight side and probably top six, to be quite honest. Now, are they are they contenders though? No, yeah. not, not yet. They not they yet. need to fix up their defence. Mm. Still, I think they lose. Um, 
I think they're one of the worst teams actually at they're losing one-on-ones. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's obviously an area they still need to improve in, but they're going to win games of footy uh, at home. And when you're a team that knows how to score and have, have the midfield power that they do, um, they're going to win games. Yeah, they're a bit like last year's Collingwood, I reckon. They're winning games that they probably wouldn't be expected to. Mm. Um, and doing it in ways is probably different to the way they've done it in the past. Because um, they used to be quite, you know, defensively uh, like integral and now they're not. Yeah, they kind of flipped that now. And I think, yeah, as, as you develop on, I think, you know, this is what fans would prefer. Like go watch go watch exciting games where your team kicks all the points and it's usually pretty tight and then you get the, the, big, the big happy winning feeling at the end. So, mm. um, But their percentages, yeah, kind of suggest that maybe they don't belong in the eight just yet. 102, the only team that like did that last year was was Collingwood. So maybe this is their Collingwood year. Their team, their year, they can win all the tight ones in a row and yeah, and move on and continue winning. Um, and speaking of of winning, uh, this this weekend they take on Essendon at home. And we said that we warned Essendon fans. We, this warned, was we warned them. This was don't coming. drink your bathwater. Don't <laughs> spend it before you got it. Yeah, we didn't buy into you, so we can't sell you. But you got you got your carpets against Geelong. You're probably not there. Yeah. Um, so are we penciling in another W for Port or can Essendon bounce back and prove us all wrong? Yeah. I mean, it would take a massive effort for the Bombers. Uh, again, Essendon, they're a bit like Port Adelaide in a way. I think their defense is, again, probably their weakest point and they were found out on the weekend against Tom Hawkins and the, the tall duo up there with uh, Jeremy Cameron. Uh, Cameron kicked three or was it three on the weekend? So they kicked 11 goals between them. Um Sitting outside the top eight now, the Bombers. So, yeah, this is looking like a Port Adelaide win, Gordo, a comfortable one as well. Um, yeah, I never really bought into the Bombers and, um, yeah, I can't really see them getting one over the power here. Yeah, again, not very many angles. And the Bombers are just a team that I refuse to trust yet until like yeah. proven otherwise. Like, there's... Like go and beat a Geelong, go and beat a Collingwood. I getting beating Collingwood on Anzac Day that's pretty tough. So you get the mulligan there, but like go and beat a team that you're not meant to, and show us you know that you've made this giant step and that String is the best player in the competition and all this stuff that the media just loves to hop up the bombers. Well, they did they did beat Melbourne, but that was at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah, yeah, do <laughs> on it, a soggy yeah, day. Yeah, do it do it for real when it matters. When I'm when I'm watching when it, when it pees is my argument. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll cough that one from Bombers fans. Yeah, hit me up in the Twitter. In the Twitter DMs, but obviously we're both tipping port. Yeah. Uh, now onto our holds. We're looking for more information, and I'm quite confused by your hold because your hold. No, yeah, I know. Is, is, is Hawthorne, and why are you holding on to Hawthorne? Okay, well, firstly, you're right. You you can't hold on to a team you didn't really buy into. But oh no, that's fine. I don't. I don't understand yeah. that. But like, what what more is there to see? You guys are going to be terrible all year, and you're deliberately micro-tanking for draft picks. You, you'd, you'd think so. But the way they've been playing over the last three weeks, I'd almost say, now I might sound a little bit stupid, <laughs> but I think they are, believe it or not, getting better after every single week. Well, they now, can't get any worse, can they? They so. can't, but they're building. Yeah. And 
again, they, they lost on the weekend to the Bulldogs. They put up a really good fight. But despite the loss, they climbed up one spot on the ladder. Well done. And they also... They two of the most historically bad teams And they time, probably yeah. climbed up two spots on the power rankings ladder. I reckon out of the bottom three teams that we predict this season with West Coast and North Melbourne, Hawthorne are probably the best team out of those bottom three. Yeah. Like we, which I'm yet to w- see the <laughs> the whole lady <laughs> comment yet. That's okay. Yep. Okay, well they go up against the Western Bulldogs midfield, right? Yeah. They beat them in disposals, contest possessions, clearances, yeah. uh, tackles. Yep. Again, if the, the one thing that they are still working on is um, convert, Get, converting that, that ball inside fifty and scoring some goals. Yeah. Converting it into scores, correct? Yeah. Um, and with the young team, again, I think. Hawthorne are a team that are going to get better as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I really expect to see their best footy in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Reeves goes up against Tim English, best ruckman in the AFL on form. Yep. And he beat him. Yep. So very good effort there. I think it was a very tough game for the Dogs. They, they were out of gas in the second half. Hawthorne were too, but they took it right up to them. Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium. Two weeks prior to that, Hawthorne lose two games by two points and one point or three points and two points, mm-hmm. whatever it was. So they're, they're building. They're not getting pumped. They're, this is a competitive Hawthorne team and I think they're, they're travelling to Perth this week against Frio. This could be a win. This could be an away win. Currently $3.60 odds. Oh. Uh, you know, with our friends over at Sportsbet, gamble responsibly, of course, but you rank outsiders, so well, obviously you'll be investing in that. It's not a hole. This sounds like a buy. It, it sounds like I a buy should, That's what I'm saying. I should have had it as a buy. Well, we can upgrade but, it to a buy right now, live I, on the podcast. I'm buying the He's Hawks. He's buying into the Hawks, I'm guys. Who would have them. thought that the number one Hawks fan <laughs> here in the office and in uh, sports media I in was, Australia <laughs> is buying into his club? I was also Shock one to accept that Hawthorne were going to finish last a few weeks ago. Don't yeah. forget that. Yeah. Um, but He's unfortunately, I think, <laughs> mate, Harley Reid, he's gone. He's not coming to Hawthorne. Yeah. He's heading west. We don't need him. Well, probably not, to be honest. <laughs> Hawthorne's midfield has been exceptional. They're going, they're going to face Jager O'Meara this week yeah. uh, in a Fremantle midfield that is really struggling. Um, I think even John uh, Justin Longmuir said that himself. So, yeah, I, I, I think on the big ground that Hawthorne likes to play on, similar to the MCG, um, this might suit Sammy's Hawks. And they're, they're, they're due a win. So... And I, I am hungry for a win as well. Oh, uh, you would be. I, w- I wasn't a few weeks Vanished. ago. I was, <laughs> mate. I was like, I was happy just to win a couple of games this season. Maybe beat Essen and Geelong. But that obviously didn't happen. But after getting so close for three weeks in a row. I want it, and I wanted this week. Excellent, love it. Uh, someone else who wants out, apparently, maybe according to the Tradies uh, podcast. I did this through an article. I didn't actually listen to the Tradies podcast, so apologies for taking this out of context. But uh, Sam McClure believes that Chad Wingard should try and find a new club at the end of the year. If you were Chad Wingard, or suppose as a fan, do mm. you want Chaddy to stay, or do you not? Do you don't really care? Um, and B, if you were Chad Wingard. Do you like? Do you think you'd be? You'd, would Chad Wingard start in a Premiership squad? Oh, I mean, like, maybe, does, does he get a game in Geelong? Depends what team. Oh, Geelong maybe. Does he get a game in Melbourne? No, definitely not. Does he get a game at Brisbane? No. And does he get a game at 
his last maybe one. maybe like a Carlton maybe I don't know but obviously like there's ca- a few, yeah. there's a few teams there that maybe like the Wingard type I guess but right now he, he won't it won't happen but if I had to drop one player from the Hawthorne team it's Wingard well yeah and that was the reason why so Sam McClure uh, said something along the lines of like he looks like a player that needs a premiership uh, contention to get him excited to play his best, best yeah. And So he said, like, at Port, obviously, they were there or thereabouts and he was playing really good football and then they, they dropped off and he dropped yeah. off. And then, obviously, at Hawthorne, he hasn't really fulfilled his promise no. because you guys haven't been uh, near contention. He, he's now, that not, just sounds like an average footballer as opposed to a guy that needs more motivation. Well, yeah. He's not the blue-collar type footballer. He's not going to win his own ball. So unless he's getting it delivered to him mm. on a silver platter, getting the ball in hand, he'll do special things with it. But with the way Hawthorne are at, uh, going at the moment, uh, yeah, we need a few more, few more of those players that win their own footy and put their head over the ball type players. And Wingard isn't one of them. And if he was to leave, I, I probably wouldn't be upset about it, to be quite honest. So there you go, uh, Fremantle. You're obviously playing them the Saturday prime time slot. Some, uh, Saturday some, night, some finally. more stinky yes. games uh, in the prime time slot this week. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, the Dockers are no good, and you've talked me into a Hawthorne tip. So, really? There you go. And I've also, you know, a little bonus bet here. Usually when I do the Friday games with the insurance, so this one's definitely gamble responsibly because there's no insurance, there's no money back if you get it wrong. But you just said about Hawthorne, you know, we're going to play a full game here. But obviously they've been leading at halftime against Doggies last week. They've been coming out of the gates really strong. Yeah. The Dockers have tried a quarter time in their last 11 matches. Getting outscored in that quarter by 66 points this year. So Hawthorne, the lead at quarter time, is paying $2.75. If you roll that into the win, uh, you're getting $6.75. So Hawthorne, the lead at quarter time, Hawthorne, the win, $6.75. Pretty good odds there. Obviously, do all that stuff responsibly. <laughs> and the Dockers, they, they're just bad. They're almost Richmond bad. They just, they're not great at contested football. They're not great at scoreboard conversion. They're not great at going inside 50. They play pretty uninspiring football. So yeah. back the team that could back the Hawks tip them and that would be a point of difference too I reckon in your tipping comps so uh, mm, good angles very big there. one and definitely gamble responsibly with yeah, definitely <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be responsible for that yes. anyone's loss so like all the, like every every uh, stock <laughs> investment you know don't don't just follow someone's suggestions <laughs> do your own research D-Y-O-R D-Y-O-R my hold is Collingwood I think we need to call the Jets hold my hold say? on Collingwood. Okay. Don't don't buy into the, like they're gonna win the premiership. They're a very good team. Ooh, okay. But they've had sixteen of the last twenty two matches have been started by fifteen points or fewer. The most in a twenty two game stretch ever. They've won fourteen and lost two. Yes. That it's like games that are decided by less than fifteen points in the history of football, fifty fifty. That's like going all the way back to like the 1800s. If the game is within three goals, the result is usually a 50-50. Some you win, some you lose. Uh-huh. Now, people are saying, oh, they've just cracked the code. They cracked the code how to like... Defy the odds. Yeah, how to defy the odds and how to just be unbeatable. But they're yeah. not unbeatable. Like Adelaide almost beat them. If Adelaide's almost beating you, you're not that good. They're not, they're not unbeatable. Yeah, they're not unbeatable, but... But just no one's beaten them. Their, men- their mentality... <laughs> Is probably peaking. It's the strongest in the AFL. They they are mentality monsters. They can be five goals down with five minutes to go, yeah. and you would not write them off because that's just what they've done the last year and a half. Um, 
And and I think that is a very underrated trait to have. I think that's fine, but I wouldn't invest in any more of them. Because right now, mm. like the only way you'd invest more in, in pies is saying they're going to win the flag. And this has a bit of the Richmond 2018s about it. So they came into form the back half of 2017. They stunned yeah. Adelaide. They were clearly the best team all year in twenty in 2018. And then they got to the prelim and Mason Cox destroyed them. Yeah. I don't think anyone really – I don't think anyone really has the pies as the best team in the AFL. They're, they're on top of the ladder, but I think you'd still have Melbourne as – the premiership favourites, the official premiership favourites, yeah. and Collingwood is more of the, again, like somehow they're still the underdog even though they've lost one game this year. Yeah, but I think that's kind of really what they're doing well, and maybe it's shouts to our old boss, Craig yes. Kelly, the CEO. Yep. I think they're managing expectations incredibly well because yep. it's, it's a very different, the current president and the current CEO, there's no Eddie Maguireisms about this. There's no, no beating the chest, being like, we're the best, we're the biggest. They're just going about their business. Mm. They're becoming almost lovable. They're doing some very unkindwood-like things. <laughs> but they're going to have to test, I think this this will, so now they've, they've come off this massive peak, they've won all these close games yet again, they've, they took they left it to the very last second against Adelaide, and now the next five are games that they should obviously win. And they've got some gimmies in the back half of this as well. So Sydney this week at home. Sydney aren't in great form. Uh, the Giants at home, you know, they're, they're an okay team but nothing special. Carlton, who we've already sold, and then they get North Melbourne and West Coast. If they don't go 5-0, and mm. like they, then they've reached their peak hype, I reckon. And if yeah. they, even if they don't go 5-0, and it doesn't mean they can't win the flag. I almost think it would be good for them now to have a little quiet month. Yeah. And maybe lose to Carlton. Something like that. They won't, they won't want to lose to Carlton because obviously it's that, that's their yeah. one of their arch nemeses. But you don't want to lose to like North Melbourne or West Coast, and they probably can't. It's probably impossible for them to lose those two teams. Yeah. But I lost to GOS. You know, who cares? Like, uh-huh. just drop off and get get the get the hype off you, and you can fly under the radar again. Because they yeah. go, well, that would be if they win all five of those, they go what like eleven well, what, and eleven and one yeah. into the bye. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like the team. And then yeah. you're going to be and the team want for the rest of the year. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, you make a good point. I, I don't think they'd want to be the, uh, like that. But like last year, they, you know, they did drop a few of those games. They should have won. They lost to West Coast last year. That's true. Yeah. Um, at Marvel Stadium. So yeah, they are, they are prone to a few of those. So we'll wait and see. Um, what's your thoughts on Dacos? So Dacos got tagged all, all yep. year. Uh, Craig McCray has been saying, oh, tag him. Yeah. Someone should tag him, tag him, tag him. Why don't yep. you tag him? And then he got tagged and it was pretty quiet. And yep. then Craig McCray said, no story here. Don't know yep. what you're talking about. Yeah, he got tagged, whatever. Yeah. He played, he played fine. Yeah, what do you have? 26 disposals, four clearances. It was more the efficiency. And he went at 56% efficiency. Yeah. So some of the uh, Dacos haters had a good day on the internet. Yeah, well done they to did. you. You not met your miserable tweeters. <laughs> don't. He's just a kid. Leave him alone. He's playing football yep. better than any of us could ever do. So, uh, mm. but shout out to Ben Keys. Twelve disposals, two score assists, four inside fifties. Good day for Benny Keys. Mm. Uh, he's going up against Sydney this week. Dacos. He's going to get tagged because Sydney love a tag. Yeah, yeah. They'll try um, to shut him down. They'll shut him down. Is it? Is that? Is this good for him though? Because again, it gets him out of the radar. I reckon as a kid that young, second year, being like the Brownlow favourite, mm. I'd be kind of. Thankful that I'm not on the front page or the back page of the newspaper every week now. If I have a couple of 28 disposal games, yeah, and no, don't, 28. And don't, yeah, oh, we talk as if oh, like that's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I mean, yeah, it's probably good for him, and it might. 
Yeah, it'll, it'll teach him a different side to the game. And, you know, usually players don't get tagged until they're 25, 26 and they don't know how to cope with it as well. But mm. this is just going to help his development, I reckon. If he if he cracks the code to a tag um, at 21, 22, then he's going to be unstoppable for 10 years. So, um, yeah, look, I think he'll deal with it. They can always just chuck him forward. He'll do damage. They can keep him in defense. They can um, put him anywhere around the ground and, and he can do a relatively good job and still get 20-odd touches. So, um, yeah, again, if I was the opposition, I'd still probably tag him because he is dangerous with ball in hand. So... Um, yeah, it's probably a smart thing for uh, Sydney to do it, but um, yeah, it's a good uh, it's a it's a good thing for Dacos. It's a compliment, if anything. Absolutely, uh, and in other news about Dacos too. He's just signed with Nike, um, and so do you think he should have done a LeBron James and uh, argued for equity in Nike? How big is Nick Dacos's stock? Do you reckon he's the biggest <laughs> Australian sports person at the moment? Oh, probably. Uh, Probably not at the moment, but is he bigger than Bailey Smith? Oh yeah, oh yeah, he is. He's getting there. If not, I know Bailey Smith. He's doing all the the bonds modeling and all yeah. that. Or but, you know, Dave Cross is getting his hair cut by his brother before games and on away days and yeah. all that kind of stuff. He's got a nice little mullet fade going. I reckon if you went around an office, uh, any random office in Melbourne and asked, do you know Dick da- Nick Dacos versus do you know Bailey Smith, I think yeah. a majority would still say Nick Dacos. I actually reckon all the men would say Nick Dacos and all the women would say Bailey Smith. Uh, yeah. Depends on the age yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, before we get into too many murkier territories, let's get into the Sunday <laughs> primetime game, Collingwood versus Sydney at the MCG. Simple question, can the Pies do it again, Nick? Um, yes, definitely. At the MCG, Sydney have just, again, they're one of the teams I said to hold on to last time around and they've lost me a lot of money. And yeah, they're, they're a team struggling to find their best form at the moment, um, whether that's at home or away. And now they happen to go up against the league leaders um, on their home deck in front of their home fans, which will be about 60,000 Collingwood supporters. So a very tough task to try and play yourself into form. But, hey, if there is any team in the competition that can cause an upset against Collingwood, it is John Longmire's Sydney Swans. He can do it. Sydney are capable. They're grand finalists at the end of the day. They've had a few injuries. They'll be getting a few players back this week. I wouldn't write them off, but I'll still tip Collingwood in this one. Yeah, I think it's sensible in your tipping just to ride the storm. Yeah, just keep tipping Collingwood until they lose. Because everyone else is going to. Yeah. So if you if they do lose, you're not going to lose too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's not worth it this early in the season. Yeah, just ride the wave and enjoy the Pies train. Speaking of riding the wave, that's the end of our buy, sell, and hold. Into our rapid fire for the rest of the games this weekend. As usual, we matched them up into must watches, average but important, and tip and forget games. We've got one more must watch game, and it's the Saturday primetime slot the Giants versus the Western Bulldogs at Manuka Oval. And uh, people aren't privy to our office conversations, but uh, we were saying that you need a fancy stadium in Tasmania, hopefully with a roof because it's cold. Apparently, (laughs) fans are soft and we can't sit in the cold. Uh, So it's going to be three degrees. Is in it really? Canberra on, uh, for Saturday night. Snowing? So maybe snowing. Oh, there you go. Uh, chilly night in Canberra, though. So yep. shout out to the fans that go there. Uh, let us know if you do go there as well and, uh, you know, how you keep warm at the footy uh, because the Tasmanians will need some help with that. <laughs> uh, Toby Green was a hero. Again, battled the bridge last week. You know, the, the 
most liked, unliked player in the AFL, Toby Green, and uh, what a beautiful captain he is in his own unique way. And the Doggies got it done against Hawthorne, but very unconvincing. Two very unconvincing teams, two arch nemeses of the modern era, two unreliable tipping teams. Who are you leaning towards? Um, I'm still leaning towards the Bulldogs in this one, despite the great efforts from GWS last week. They usually... The, the key indicator to who wins a game of football is contested possession. Whoever wins the contested possession wins the game. GWS lost that by uh, 23 last week, but they won the game. It was a close game, obviously. Um, but what they did smash the Swans in was uh, uncontested possessions. So they were plus 40. So they love to control the ball, uh, love to use their skills. We know that. Is that going to work against the Bulldogs? Bulldogs love contest possession. Liberatore is back in the team this week. Uh, it was obviously a big... Uh, they, they missed him last week against the Hawks, I reckon. So, yeah, I think I think this this suits the Bulldogs. And they've had the wood over the Giants over the last few years as well. So, um, I'm backing them into win. I think they tend to travel pretty well too, the Doggies. Um, yeah, I, I'm leaning towards them in this one. Interesting. Um, I feel like scoring on intercept is probably ugly a little bit more important nowadays than, than contested possession counts because I think mm. it's going to even itself out. So as you said, the Giants are not very, not very good at contested possession. They lose that 8.3, um, lose that count by 8.3 per game, so that's 16th in the AFL. But they win uncontested possession by 27 per game. So I think they're just playing a very one-sided style of football, but it's the outside side of football. So they get more bang for their buck because it allows them to score, which I think is why they get they, they stay in games like that Sydney game. Yeah, And I think the Doggies play a lot like Sydney. So they, it's all very inside, not much outside, and they, there's no bang for buck. So they score from just 20% of their inside 50s. That's right. Yeah. Third, uh, yeah, third worst in the AFL, obviously, Hawthorne, uh, North Melbourne, sorry, and West Coast are the only two teams that are worse. So I'm leaning towards the Giants here at home. Um I still can't trust the dogs and I just think a bit more momentum behind the Giants and at home mm. and maybe the cold aspect. I don't know. Doggies play at Mars in Ballarat all the time as well. So, mm. I don't know. 50-50 game for sure, but obviously shown by a 50-50 tip. So, uh, one that you can just trust your heart because I think that will be split 50-50 in tipping competitions. Important but average game of the week is Gold Coast Suns versus Melbourne because the Suns got it done against the Tigers. Yep. Stewie Jew keeps his job. Richmond and blown up. We put the right red pen through them for the third, for the, the millionth time. What's a pass mark here for the Suns against Melbourne? Is it an upset win? Is it not losing by more than six goals? It's what do we expect of them here? Yeah, probably not to win, but yeah, I think you, you probably nailed it there. They wouldn't want to get absolutely smashed. They want to keep it relatively competitive. If they can keep the margin to around 20 points, uh, yeah, like a four-goal margin, I think that's a pretty respectable result. They've taken a, they've taken some really good steps the last couple of weeks since they ju- uh, lost that close game to Frio a few weeks ago. Again, the, the last two weeks have been impressive. Beating North Melbourne, um, Obviously, you can't read into that too much, but Richmond was a big win last week. Ben King's on fire. He's he's kicking straight. He's one of the most accurate set shots in the AFL at the moment in terms of tall forwards. So, um, yeah, but against Melbourne, 
premiership, obviously premiership favourites or one of the premiership favourites. Uh, they take pride in their defence. They take pride in contested possession. Again, I think Took Miller, even though um, the Suns were, uh, seemed like they went pretty well without him last week in the midfield, he's still a pretty big loss. And um, yeah, again, going up against that Melbourne midfield, you definitely want him in there. But it, it, it's going to be an interesting game because we saw how Melbourne coped with the slippery conditions a few weeks ago in Adelaide. They lost to Essendon. Well, now they're going to Gold Coast, potentially dewy evening there um, in that Saturday afternoon time slot or Saturday uh, twilight time slot. Could Gold Coast cause them a bit of trouble? Possibly. So, yeah, it's definitely one to watch. You made an argument for Gold Coast, but the reality is they've lost three games in a row to top eight opponents by 25 points or more. So there you go. I think them just being and hanging in with Melbourne is yep. going to be a pretty big achievement. Um, and that's the most we can expect of them because Melbourne are legit premiership contenders and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably win this by plenty. So an easy, <laughs> easy tip. And the tip and forget game for mine, North Melbourne versus St Kilda, arguably the worst team in the AFL versus Nick's most boring team in the AFL. Uh, you won't be watching this, obviously, but... Oh, 4.40 uh, Sunday as well. How many, how many points does this game get in it? Like... Because St. Kilda just strangle teams. So, like, does North kick more than six goals? Good question. Jeez. Um, oh, I mean, they'll, they'll probably kick six goals. You'd hope so. Do you reckon there'll be 100 points total in this game? No, no. You know what? Against against North, St. Kilda will score. They'll score heaps, yeah. This, this It'll is, be mm. like an, an 80 to 40 sort of game. Right? Yeah. 80 to 30. Yeah. They'll keep, they'll keep North uh, relatively quiet all day, but... Yeah, they'll they'll break the shackles, uh, St Kilda themselves, and they'll get on get on the end of a few. Yeah, Saints by plenty and yeah. uh, an early start. So uh, schedule a, a Sunday night dinner with the family. You no need to watch that one. Just follow it on the Footy Live app. And uh, to round out every episode, we head across to the desktop, which is appropriately named this week. The studio got a bit of renovation. We've got two desks now. Yeah. A very interesting setup here. Desktop decisions. What's your biggest super coach tactic for round eight? And more importantly, from the get-go, uh, we need the current score and your current uh, position. Yes, uh, I will get that up. I did crack the 2,300 this week in super coach, which I was very proud of. Um, again, I I my rank went down by 56 but I'm still ranked 1600. Lovely. So we're in that territory now that if you do want to climb up you you got to hit a really good score. Yeah. Um unfortunately I couldn't quite do that last week but I'm happy with where I'm with how I'm tracking at the moment. This week and maybe for the whole season there's not too many rookies making a lot of money so I reckon it's important to be bringing in value. Um so I wouldn't be looking at wasting three or four trades to bring in someone who is six, seven hundred thousand uh, dollars. I'd be looking at the the fallen premiums or the the rising um, assets as well. This week I've got Will Powell on my radar. He's he's a defender. He's four hundred eighty-two thousand. Not owned by a lot of teams. Um, but his last two weeks, he's scored 125 and then 143 last week. He's averaged 101 for the season. He's highest of his career. And I think in defense, you can afford to take a few gambles and he, he's he got a pretty high ceiling. So 
Definitely one to look to bring in this week. Uh, a lot of value in defense, as always. And Will Day is another one, but I brought him in last week. Very, very nice indeed. And, uh, you know, follow the advice of the man across the room for me because he is indeed one of the best super coaches uh, in the competition in those Not thousands really. and uh, <laughs> definitely one of the best in the office. So there you go. That's the end of the weekend watch list for the Fanside View, a podcast by fans for fans. Uh, as always, enjoy all the action on the Footy Live app. And, of course, we hope that your team wins unless they're playing our teams, in which case they, they lose. Go Tarks. <laughs>